All right, can you sit down? Before you do that, turn to two, three people and tell the person today, today. good things have come to you. Turn to somebody else, turn to somebody else, tell the person. Yes, turn to somebody else, turn to somebody else. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, let's open our Bibles. I want us to continue from where we stopped, and we are going to round off everything today. Let's start from where we are just going to read what we read last time, and then we'll add on two more verses to it, and then we'll pick up from there. Psalm 78 is the one we are going to read first of all. Now, because of um, the fact that we are ready last time, I'm not going to read uh, much of it. Let's just start from verse 5. He said, The Lord has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God. Notice that. Their confidence must be in God. God has written a testimony to the end that we will put our confidence in him and not forget his works, but keep his commandments. Now notice this, we are supposed to keep his commandments, not forget his works, and then not be like the fathers, that is the fathers in Israel, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now look at the manifestation of it. Their hearts were not prepared, their spirits were not faithful to God. So he said in verse 9, the sons of Ephraim were archers, equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. I'm going to stop reading here. I like the way King James says it there. He said, those people being armed, I like that. He said they were archers equipped with bows. They were armed, yet despite the fact that they were armed, they turned back in the day of battle. And when they did that, What they did was to break the covenant of God, even though he had something strong on their side. They made his work of no effect. They made his power of no effect. That way they broke the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Bear that in mind. Let's open to the other one again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We read that last time also. Now one thing you will find with Paul again and again is this matter of grace. Now, I just want to bring out something that he said we read it last time. Let's just go there immediately. In chapter 6. Let's just go to chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And walking together with him, Paul said, We urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Please notice that. But now, he said, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, let's just stop reading that one there. Last of all, the book of Romans chapter 4. Now, we didn't read this one last time, so I'm just going to take some time here to read it. Now, we're reading from verse 13 just to... We can't read everything, so let's just pick it from somewhere. It says, For the promise to Abraham, or to his descendants, that he will be the heir of the world, was not through the law. But through the righteousness of faith, 
It was not through the law. This was given through him, through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. For the law brings a bad wrath. He said, but where there is no law, there is no violation. For this reason, he says, it is by faith. Now notice that. In order that he might be, it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Let me stop reading here again. We are trying to save time. I just want to bring some things out here. Notice that he said that for this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace. Now, I needed to bring that one in for a particular reason. Now, I've read these three portions to just complete something we have been talking about. We are ending today, as you know, so I have to end the teaching today on the matter of grace. Now, uh, where do I start this from now? Okay, I'll just summarize what we said last time, the last two times, in a few sentences. One, grace is God's power that works towards those who believe. And that grace is available to us in Christ Jesus. Grace is not the excuse that we have to continue to walk short of God's glory. It is not. It is not. It is not the excuse. What is grace? It is the power that God releases to make it possible for us to walk in a manner that is pleasing to him. Grace is not that which God uses to cover my own inadequacies in that I continue working in those inadequacies. No. Grace is that though you can't do this by yourself. Are you getting my point? A power comes to make it doable for you so that if you're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, you will find the strength to stand against them. Are you getting my point? That is what grace is. Grace is that your name is Daniel. Your name is Shadrach. Well, I like their Hebrew names. Your, your, name, your name is Hananiah, Azariah. Your name is Mishael. Grace is that you go into Babylon, you don't bow to idols. Are you getting my point? Grace is that you go into Babylon, you understand? They are not able to make you eat things you are not supposed to eat. Grace is that power that makes you stand, even though everybody has gone on their knees. You are getting my point? Even though you stand, you look to your left, you look to the right, the whole of the nation is bound before one great image that Nebuchadnezzar had built. Grace is that thing that makes you keep standing, even though your life is at risk. You get the point here? Grace is not that ah, God knows that we don't want to bow, but what else are we going to do? Let's just bow so that they will not annoy people. Grace, grace is not that, you see, we have to use wisdom in this world that you are in. That's not it. I said that every generation has its own problems. In, no, there are moral problems, okay? And a young man, a young woman stands in the midst of the moral depravity and keeps himself and keeps herself clean. That is grace. How did you do it? I am what I am by the grace of God. That's number one. The second thing about grace is that when you are inadequate in yourself, Paul says our sufficiency is of God who has made us capable, able, or sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. That's what grace is. Grace means that there will be hindrances around, but despite the hindrances, 
I will be able to accomplish the plan that God has for my life. Please, I hope you are getting that point. That's what grace is. That is, despite the difficulties, I will be able to accomplish what God wants me to do. That's what grace is. We're just trying to remind, remind ourselves of those things. Now, last time I now talked about the fact that we must not receive this grace in vain. What does it mean to receive the grace in vain? That's what we've been looking at. That we began the last time. And that's when you go to battle. You see the giants. Then you turn your back the day of battle. Even though you have the power of God available to work with you. That's what it means to receive the grace of God in vain. The people of Israel, we, see, we saw here, they were armed. Let's look at it from a spiritual perspective. They were able. The Bible says clear to us. God made it clear to them. Moses made it clear to them. Joshua, Caleb argued it with them. They are, we are well able. God is with us. We can take the promised land. But in the day of battle, what did they do? They turned their backs. They broke the covenant of God. They were able. What did happen? They received the grace of God, what? In vain. Paul said, when I received the grace of God, and it did not prove vain. It was as if I was laboring more than the other people. That is, you see me work harder than all the other apostles, even though I was the least of them. I was the last of those big apostles to be called to ministry. He said, but I labored more than them. Now, this is the point. It was not I. It was what? The grace of God. That is, I did not receive the grace of God in vain. So this is the logic for us. I mean, this is the derivation for us as believers in Christ Jesus. Challenges will occur in life. Paul said that, God said to me, to him, to him, that my grace is sufficient for you. He said, therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses. What was he trying to say? He said, God said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That is, when I have a weakness, that is when God can do what he really wants to do. If I'm fully qualified and able, what God will be able to do in my life is limited. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. If I'm qualified and able in myself, what God is able to do in my life is limited. For that reason, when I find deficiencies, I'm excited. If it's the area of my calling, it doesn't bother me. If you are called to ministry, you know, I remember once I asked a man, why are you moving your ministry to Lagos? You know what he said to me? Lagos is where people that will help you are. That is where you will find people that help you. And that is why a lot of people move their headquarters to Lagos. Now, I'm not saying don't move to Lagos. Okay? Just have a good reason. That one is a bad reason. One of our brothers called me the other day. Um, let, me, let me first read this scripture out. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It's his power working towards me that is not proven. All right? What I'm about to say. One of our brothers called me the other day. We're speaking. He said one of the things he likes about Kingdom World Ministries. He said we don't print posters. We don't do flyers. You don't see billboards. That he doesn't see, you know, that... No, he wasn't... Trying, we're just telling him that one of the things he likes that that push, that grind, you know, drive, guru, guru, guru. He said he doesn't that we don't do it. He now says, but the impact is profound. That's what I'm giving. It's a preacher. He said the only person he he can compare this with is Kenneth Copeland Ministries. There doesn't any other ministry that operates like that. Now what I'm trying, I'm trying to bring out something here. You know, those, early, those days when I first finished my, when I needed to settle down somewhere, people said I should settle in Lagos. That's what I was told to do. That's where the opportunities are. Opportunities for what is what I don't understand for people. You have to know what your opportunities in life are for. Are you getting my point? Yeah, you have to know what they are for. The Red Prince said what he was looking for was a quiet place where he could do a lot of writing. Do you get what I'm saying? So that when he was moving around, when he moved from UK that time, from London, he moved to Canada. They gave him a job in a school 
in the Bible school. And the conditions they gave him was perfect for him so that he could do his writing. When they got it, they did not fulfill their promises. So he had to leave. And this time I now moved to the U.S. So we, I'm trying to explain, be careful what you call opportunities. Don't let the world, you understand, be dictating to you what's an opportunity and what's not an opportunity. Let me stick on that for a moment. When Oluchi face of Africa, remember Oluchi? That one face of Africa. So I told them that, I, of course, you know the way they like to deceive us. They said that this girl was selling bread. Can you imagine? I say it's a lie. Number one, there's nothing wrong with selling bread. Amen? She was hawking bread. So what? Fala Adiola used to hawk oranges. You know, you know who Fala Adiola is? Founding uh, MD of GTB. Former chairman. Is this the chairman? Anyway, former chairman of GTB. Former VP aspirant for one of the big political parties. One of those very big Nigerians. He too used to hawk orange. What's the big deal? So he was hawking um, bread. But that's a lie. The girl was going to school. She wasn't hawking bread like a profession. She was a secondary school student. So they said that she won Face of Africa. I said, what kind of joke is this? And I, I, I said, it was my sister. You're not going anywhere. I said, it's an opportunity. That, that's why I'm talking about it. This is an opportunity. I said, opportunity to do what? That's the question I always ask people. Opportunity to do what? Poverty is a terrible thing. Not physical poverty. Mental poverty. They gave the poor girl a contract worth $150,000 to work as a model for three years. People didn't read between the lines. They, they thought that she won lottery, $150,000. No. They were going to pay her $50,000 a year to be working. You're not angry yet. <laughs> you should be angry. It was annoying. I said, they didn't dash this girl $150,000. They gave her $150,000 contract to work, which meant if she did not work, she didn't get a dime. And she was 16 or 17, and she was going to go to Paris. And you call that an opportunity. If you think it's an opportunity, I think you should see a doctor. That's what I think. I think your blood sugar is too high. It's draining water from your brain. You're not thinking well again. That's by the way. Okay, let's, let me not go beyond that. But when people are very, very poor in their minds, Anything that's abroad is opportunity. It's not an opportunity. Finish your school, all right? Become something important. You can go anywhere when you want to go there later. All right? I'm just being honest. Be careful they call opportunity, okay? Now, for me, that's what I was told then. I said opportunity for what? What I am I'm supposed to do is what I should be looking out for, not where, you know, what people think is opportunity to make money and to become big and become influential. Now, let me get back to my message. The point is that we came to Enugu. And I remember we climbed up here when we finally started meeting here. And my wife and I prayed that from here, this word that we are preaching will go around the world. I did not invent the internet, did I? No, I did not. I didn't, I didn't at all. I didn't at all. I've never bought a radio station. I've not started a TV station. I've not started any. I didn't start printing presses. Nothing. All I did was to sit down and teach and write and teach and write and teach and write. Then the Lord by himself put those things on eagles' wings and made them fly all over the world. You are getting what I'm going to explain here. That's why the brother told me that. He said he liked, that is, according to him, without, you know, human stress, effort, that this thing is impacting people. That's what Paul meant when he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Please, you are getting my point here. I need to emphasize it again. 
What grace means is that there is no hindrance that can stop you from becoming what God created you to be. There's not. You are the only one that can refuse and say, I'm not doing it. That's the point I'm trying to make. Satan will put obstacles in front of people. What is the obstacle? Really, the obstacle he really can put, the real one, and I'm not talking about the fake one. He puts a lot of fake obstacles. The real one he can put is in our minds. is to come and tell you you can't. Why did the sons of Ephraim, being armed, turn back in the day of battle? I'll tell you the truth. They were told they could not do it. Ten spies came back and told them, you can't handle this matter. They believed it, and that was why they turned back in the day of battle, even though there was grace with them. Please, let's get it clear. What happens to people is that God, listen, anytime God sends you on an errand, anytime, you know what he says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I was in Lagos. A man who spends his energy preaching the gospel. I talked about my friend in the north. No, Jesus just went there. He said to me, man of God, that's how he speaks to me. He said, man of God. If God tells me to go there, I'm not sure I can go. If God tells him to go to the north to go and preach, I'm not sure I can go. No, he didn't say I'm not sure I can go. He said, I won't go. That was the way he said it. I laughed. I told him that, listen, the reason why you can't go is because you don't have the grace to go. And the reason why you don't have the grace is because you have not been sent to go. I don't know whether you got my point. I said, so it's looking like insurmountable. It's looking like a big thing. I said, if God calls you to go, you will find the grace to go. That's what grace does for us. And I want people to, that's what we've been talking about. I want us to bear that in mind. Grace is divine ability. What is just saying, this is how grace works. God always gives us something small to do so he can do something big. What am I going to explain? Let me just say it again. You will divide the Red Sea. The Red Sea will not be able to stop you. Your name is Moses. You are delivering the people of Israel. They are all behind you. They are all crying out to you. Trouble is following them. You are supposed to deliver two million people. Now, how fast can you make boats? How fast can you train them to become seafarers? How fast can you do this to get them across the Red Sea? The Egyptians are behind. But this is what grace does. Listen to this. Grace says, I will help Moses cross the Red Sea with two million people. So he says to Moses, what are you going to do? He says, Moses, take up your rod and divide the sea. Now listen to this. Grace does not mean Moses will go and sleep. And say, guys, don't worry. There's no problem. Which is what some people think grace is. Grace provokes labor. It provokes his own labor. God gives you something to do so that he can do what he wants to do. So what happens to Moses? The Lord told him, take the rod and stretch it over the sea. Now we've talked about that here again and again from that Exodus. Now the point I want to bring out is that Moses... Getting two million people to cross, <laughs> that's not an easy deal in itself. But then God gave him something small to do, which was still work. He had to lift up the rod the whole night. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Just imagine that they say, okay, what do we do to, to stop all the economic trouble? You're a governor of a state. You understand? Stop, instead of building statues and creating ministries of happiness... <laughs> <laughs> the Lord said you will stand up the whole night and then you'll be praying but your hands must be up the whole night. If you are feeling sleepy, your hands must be up. If you are feeling happy, your hands must be up. You must be waving the hands. 
Lifting up one hand. Now listen to me. Compared to the effect the Lord wants to have, lifting up the hand is not a hard work. I don't know where I get my point. It's not hard labor compared with the effect that it's going to have in your life. However, you have to lift up the hands. I don't know where I get the point. In itself, it looks like hard labor. But when you compare with what it's going to do, it's easy. Let me give you an example. I'll give you the testimony of Kingdom World Ministries. If I was telling my wife about two nights ago, we were talking about it. I said, this really has been our year of multiplication. No, we've been declaring it. And I hear mind-boggling testimonies a lot of times. Now, was it our work? No. Was it our labor? No. Compared to the effect it had? No. I told you one young man wrote us and said he has listened to these messages for more. That if, that if he says 3,000 hours, it's not an exaggeration. Today, my wife and I were calculating. I said, okay, yeah, it's doable. I did Bishop with 500 hours in just a few months. So somebody listens to me for three years, he can't do 3,000 hours without a lot of stress. Are you getting my point here? If he, if, he, if he did like five, six years, I was saying five to six years. Okay? Now, this is the point I want to make. Could somebody have forced all these things to happen? No. But believe me, you'll be surprised that January to November, no, you won't be surprised, you know about it. January to November, we normally close in December, all right? Every Saturday, predictably, I was in Enugu. It's only, when did I start disappearing on, on, on Saturdays? I think it was about three years ago. That's about three years ago, I started living in Enugu on Saturdays. From 2003 to 2013, 2014, every Saturday it was guaranteed I would be here. Here, standing here. It was guaranteed, apart from once in May, when I go for my local convention. I went for family weddings, family people wedding, in Benin, and I'll get back here. My auntie was buried in Norwalk. On a Saturday, I still got back here. In case you don't know, driving from here to her is six hours. My mother's younger sister. They did the every way, keep everything, did stuff on Friday. Saturday morning, we all went to church. My mother and her friend were in my car. I drove there. I explained to my mother, you know I have a ministry to run. She said, I understand. I got to church, dropped them. As everybody was entering Filing in for the funeral, I turned my car and headed back to Enugu to come and preach to how many people. Six hours non-stop, I'm driving. We'll go for family weddings, you understand? Church where everybody's there, we're doing everything, doing the service. We'll go for reception, of course, we'll take pictures. Reception as they are going in. I come down, I road, lock up my car, we enter into the hall, I call my wife to decide. Is anything you want me to do in Enugu? I know. I don't tell, <laughs> I don't tell my father-in-law. They will find out at night that they did not attend the reception. They won't know. Enter the car. There was a day. My car said, oh, you don't do something on nature. <laughs> I, was headed, I was headed by one of those kind of days like that. I was, okay, oh, this one. Oh, and I remember what happened, this particular one. My wife, of course, my wife delivered. She was staying with her mother. So I went to see my family Saturday. I was not rushing back to come to Enugu. So I rushed. I came out. I drove. As I was, and I got to Asaba. The car did some unfunny breakdowns. I said, this car, you're not stopping you. So I must have prayed. I can't remember praying, but I must have prayed. I'm a man of God. I'm a child of God. I pray. So I blew past the nature. <laughs> After passing through nature, I don't know where I got to. I forgot the name of those areas. The car finally started slowing down, and it stopped. Ah! You know what I was checking? How to get here by 5 o'clock. So I, good enough. As God, there was nobody in my house. Good enough that day. I called Kingsley. Our, Kingsley was the everything. It was Israel... 
Okemote, Felix combined. You know, Chris Kingsley was everything. Started the prayer, took the announcement. He did everything apart from do the preaching. So I called Kingsley. Go to my house. I think he had a copy of my keys. Open the door. Go here. You will find this key somewhere. Take my wife's car. Go and pick the mechanic. They drove almost to nature. So I, I told the mechanic on the phone what was wrong. He said, okay, no problem. He will bring a battery. So they brought another battery. By the time I got here, that was one day. I mean, people were down. They don't close the meeting. They were waiting for. Go back to Enugu by 7 o'clock. After waiting, oh, God. <laughs> so Paul said, I labored. There was labor. That's the point I'm trying to make. There was labor. There was labor. There was labor. If you read a track like Cheerful Giver, I wrote it at the sitting. Read a track like This is Faith, I wrote it at the sitting. I started writing This is Faith. I wrote it a number of days. Then one day I came to com- continue the, 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 the track. I, I just wiped out everything I'd written. Started again. Read after This is Faith. It's one sitting. What do you call this other book? Great Faith Can Be Yours. I wrote it in two weeks. I went for a course in the U.S. I was writing a particular book, which I never finished till today. <laughs> I've not finished that one till today. I don't even know where. I was writing that, writing, writing. Then one day I just, I just had an idea. Why did the widow of Zarephath believe a stranger like Elijah? The Holy Spirit just, just breathed the understanding into my head. I dumped the other book and began to write. I finished the book, only came to do some revision when I came back in two weeks. My friends were, you know, because I was staying with my brother-in-law, and two weeks after, my course was like a whole month. Two weeks after I got to Houston, he left. He came back to Nigeria. So I was not living alone, a GJC in the United States. But I've been nice to say with people that, and my friends were there. Bro Solomon and his wife, Evarista, they said, oh, no, Banky, you can't be staying alone. Move out to our house. I'm a big house. They had a beautiful suburban house in the white area in Katy. I said, ah, I thought about it. If I had plotted how I'd be moving from there to my office, I mean, the hospital where I was doing my course, we had plotted it. I looked at it and said, no. If I do this, I will have to talk with them in the evening. They, they will feel they have to keep me entertained, maybe go out once in a while, visit. I said, no, I'm writing a book. I didn't tell them I'm writing a book. I just said, no, it's okay. It's okay with me staying alone. Listen, that one, as soon as I get back home every day, I will write till it's um, 12 midnight. By that time, it will be 6 a.m. in Nigeria. So I can call my wife with just for 30 minutes. So she gets up to go and get the kids ready, get, get the day started. Then, me, that's when I now go to sleep. I did that every day for about two weeks, and I finished the book, Great Faith Can Be Us. He said, I labored more than them all. I hope you're getting my point here. Yes, so when we're talking about grace, it's not as if you don't do anything. It's not as if we don't, you don't do anything. It's just the last few. Then you invited me to go and preach. I did, I, look, it, it mustn't include Saturday. If it includes Saturday, I wouldn't go. Uh, Pastor Bangu, I'm inviting you. Where? Not in any Sorry, I can't go. A whole year will pass. I will miss Saturday here only maximum of two times. I don't know how it used to happen. One of them be my look <laughs> You know, my annual pilgrimage. You understand? <laughs> Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Now, but all of this is just on one pulpit here. It's not just here. It didn't go anywhere. It did not open the doors in Lagos. It did not open the doors in Port Harcourt. It did not open the doors outside the country. It, didn't do it. it was just here. But God said, do that. That is Moses carrying his hands up so that I can do what I want to do of opening the Red Sea. Grace, look, grace does not make you lazy. Grace makes you put the right effort into the right place so that God can do what he wants to do at the right time. Let's bear it in mind. My emphasis is that the grace is available. 
Don't let the obstacles of life scare you. Let me say that again. Don't let the obstacles of life scare you. The grace is available. When you hear negative news, like the economic situation around you, that is the same news, the same kind of news that the sons of Ephraim had, and they turned their back on the day of battle. Do you get my point? Get this book, read it. Um, the price is not greater than God's grace. Is that the name of the book? Um, the, sto- the biography, well, the story of um, Oretha Higgins, Ken Higgins' wife. I think the price is not greater than God's grace, something like that. The Oretha wrote the story of her life, how she was wife to Kenneth Higgins, of course, how they did the ministry together. Look, every ministry has one person in front. Eh? But that's not the only person doing the ministry. I don't know whether I, whether I hear what I said. Kenneth Higgins, you hear, Kenneth Higgins, Kenneth Higgins, Kenneth Higgins. But as far as I'm concerned, Oretha Higgins was as important as Kenneth Higgins. Oretha Higgins was with him from the beginning till the end. Yeah, you get my point? So she had to pay a price too. But she now wrote a book. The price is not greater than the grace of God to fulfill the call that he has placed upon your life. It's a good book to read. I think you should read it. All right? It's a story of, of Rita Hagen. What am I going to say? Life will throw uh, obstacles as it seems in your direction. Don't ever forget. The grace is always available. Every time you hear stories like these things, you know, I mean, a man told me the other day, that look, these are the issues in the country. You understand? He's thinking of leaving the country. Why? Now, like I said, what do you call an opportunity? Don't ever forget that thing. What is the opportunity? When they say that it's an opportunity, I always ask people, opportunity to do what? Many people have walked away from destiny because somebody gave them an opportunity. A young man wrote me long ago. <laughs> he was in school, an engineering student. Somebody gave him an opportunity to travel abroad. There was only one problem. He didn't have money to take advantage of the opportunity. So he wrote me a mail. So I deleted the mail fast so that I won't know his name. And it's the kind of name you finish, uh, you finish reading. So if I read it again, I will know who wrote it. Click, finish reading the nonsense. I clicked. Delete. What was my issue? From what he told me, he was like halfway through his education as an engineering student. Then somebody opened the door to go to North America for him. And I said it was an opportunity. I couldn't get it. Opportunity to abandon your studies. Opportunity for what? Please, can somebody explain to me what the opportunity in it? Opportunity to go to America. And, you see, you, also, you know the opportunity cost? When you are doing something, you are losing something. So what you are losing, what you are gaining is even more than what you are going to lose. I, want, I looked at him, I, felt, I didn't know who to, but I felt like telling the young man that, how stupid can an adult be? You are going to get to the United States, young man with no qualification. I know the way those guys work. Your life is much better if you just get over there with that qualification. He says, he said, no, why I'm telling the story is that he's like, he said, hey, sir, I don't want to lose this opportunity. I said, Oppor-, you know, somebody lied to him. He didn't know who he was writing to. One day, two young men appeared here. They came all the way from Sukkah. Maybe one of the villages around Sukkah. It must be. So we finished it. We had a program. We finished the program here. They said they wanted to see me. So they talked to one of our co workers. They wanted to see me. He said, what? That they heard that I help people go to America. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? <laughs> they, tr- they came all the way to Enugu for our seminar, not to come and hear me preach, 
two of them, they said they heard that I help people go to the United States. People are very gullible in this life. Obviously, they don't listen to me. So what I assumed is that maybe somebody told them. Maybe somebody wanted to correct their brains. So they said, go and listen to this guy. <laughs> That's what I think. That's what I think. They came from Osaka. They didn't have money. They didn't, have, they didn't know anybody in town. Ah, God, please deliver us from stupidity and emptiness of head. Please, you should pray that prayer for your neighbors. Just wake up one morning, look to your left and right. Say, Lord, may no stupid man or empty head live in my neighborhood. Or the empty head go fill it with information. Yeah, because this, they came to Enugu. They didn't know anybody. They didn't have money. It was here in Kako that were not looking for where they would sleep overnight. I'm not ah, Why? They said, Pastor Bangi helps people go to America. When I, my reputation is that those who were going, they listened to me, they came back home. <laughs> I'm not kidding. One woman, she ended up going anyway, but I heard the story. One day I was teaching on radio. She had arranged everything. When she heard me teach for 30 minutes on radio, her faith disappeared. She almost did not travel. I heard later that, you know, so as a person, I said, yes. He said, you almost convinced her not to travel. That was my, you know, that was my job. I know that's what I did. (laughs) The Lord is good. (laughs) They said, those guys, they had to find a way that they used to do nice brows in those days. So, you can't go just arrange for them to go and browse all night. At least you are. <laughs> no, that was free accommodation. People didn't know. If you go to a hotel, you pay a lot of money. Night browsing, you pay 200 naira one whole night. Okay, that's, those, I'm just telling the story about those young men. You know, they just came down. Like, like what? So, that was that young man I was writing me. I felt like, what are you talking about? What are you leaving behind? Where are you going? Be careful what people call opportunities. Be very, no, I'm going to say something here. What life tries to do is to toss those hindrances in your faces. You toss it in your face, it will appear as if what the Lord wants to do in your life is not doable. He has statements like, ah, if you don't know anybody, you can't do this. Once my wife and I were talking, was, we were talking to one of our friends, and we we're talking about, you, you've heard these stories before, they'll tell you that uh, if you want to enter into the movie industry, you need to know these people. You hear things like that. That ah, uh, if you don't connect with the people in Upper Waka, a being, a, 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 what's the name of the other place? A Dumata and a B- well, how, how do you pronounce it? Uh, he wants to teach me. Let him continue. <laughs> All right, jo- there's a joke about it. Some people call it a being pejolin. It's actually a being pejo. You understand? That's the correct Yoruba word. All right? A being pejo means a gathering of relatives. A being pejo means a snake is hungry. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yes, all right. So you are halfway between the two. Now, say if you don't know people in those areas, if you don't know the people that control the market, you can't break in. So one day I was talking to one of our friends, my wife and I, and he kept on trying to tell us this thing. That no, they are the ones that control the market. If you don't get to know them, this, ah, and I kept on saying, sir, Ogami, my friend, it's not like that. We are talking as believers. When you hear such news, you are supposed to say, the grace of God working with me, I can do all things. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. That's what I want you to understand. You know, sometimes you hear people when they talk. You know, there are some things people forward around. They come and tell you things like, eh, how Dangote was able to do what he did was because he had government patronage. Anytime you write that nonsense, I delete it. I, tell, I reply, you say, you really don't know anything in life. I'm not, I don't want to go into that. I'm not a Dang, I don't know Dangote. That's not the issue I'm talking about. But you see, people always try to make excuses for other people's successes. And when they are doing that, they are trying to excuse their own failure. 
No, it's not the other man's success that is the problem. Is they're trying to tell you why I can't do anything. Do I have the government clout he has? I don't have it, that's why I'm going to fail. No, really. That is a problem with people. So that anytime God gives them an idea, and this is a matter of fact, the good Lord gives people ideas. We use the word ideas for business people, but those of us in ministry, we call it a calling, anointing. We call it anointing, thank you. We, we deceive the church as if we are the only ones God talks to. The, the other people, if you are not a preacher, the Holy Spirit doesn't know your house. The Holy Spirit does not understand what you are doing. Just try and succeed and pay him a, a, a portion of what you are, whatever you make, and then you pull, go set to. But when you are succeeding, it's by your own strength. But when you have made the money, you share with the Lord. The Lord actually calls even people who are not into what you and I call ministry. I've told you a number of stories, and, and the reason why I tell those foreign stories is simply because they are the ones that write books. Most of my local people have not written books. So those are the people I'm able to read. But if our local people were writing up books, God does that locally also. I told you, I mean, I went to preach that I was telling you about our host. By the time the man finished talking about his life, that God always answers every prayer request I give to him. He said there is nothing I've asked him to do that he has not done. The Lord is good. God, God, God helps business people too. He calls, not just helps now, he calls. That's why what I, telling you, I was telling you earlier about books I've read. That's why you read books like R.G. Lutono, Mover of Men and Mountains. Read his book, My Life and Work by Henry Ford. Read those people's books. Mary Kay's one that I quote all the time. Um, maybe, what's the name again? Miracles Happen, Mary Kay Ash. Read the stories. You know that God helps you. It's not only preachers. Preachers are the ones that preach. That's why we tell our stories a lot. But we're not the only ones that God helps. He helps everybody. Not only helps, he has called everybody. He stimulates ideas, what we call calling, anointing. We preachers use interesting words. But I want you to know, you know, he said that the Lord said to I should do this. He says that to business people also. He says that to married women in their homes, raising their children, he speaks to them. He does. He does. You read the story of um, Ben Carson. How did he become what he is today? When he was misbehaving very badly, his mother went and prayed. And he said, she said to them, to the two sons, let me see what the Lord will say. Ben Carson, he could not sleep because he knows that the Lord will say something to his mother. And next, next day, the, the, Lord, the mother came with what the Lord said. All the Lord said to the woman is that your sons will not watch TV again. They only had a maximum number of programs you could watch a week. All their fantastic programs, that's the, that's the end of it. That's what the Holy Spirit said to her. Your sons will start reading. So he told them every week he will read two books and give me a summary. They did not know she could hardly read the summary. And that was how his life changed. Because just by reading regularly, like the mother said, the Lord said, you understand my point, she should affect in their lives. Suddenly he realized that being intelligent was not so difficult. Because when he realized that he now knew things his classmates did not know, it caused his confidence to rise. He became a confident man. Then now he could not apply himself to his studies. Those are the ways by which God helped him. Uh, my emphasis is not on Ben Kassim, but on the mother. The Lord ministered to the woman. And she executed what the Lord said to her. And her sons became successful. And one of them became a world-renowned figure. The Lord speaks to people. Listen to me, the Lord actually tells people who to marry and tells them who not to marry. It's how he says that's the issue. Many times when God wants to tell, tell somebody, marry this person, 
You know what the women start look very common? Even, no, did I say women? I'm sorry. Women, I apologize. Why did I think it's you? It's not you. Both men and women do this foolish thing. I'm about to tell you. Apostle, listen to it. Your wife will look at you and check the number of younger ones you have and realize you're a bad case. <laughs> that this guy is the firstborn. He's just graduating. He's sec- the next one to him, he's just about to enter university. The one after that is in GS3, about to enter S1, SS1. The one after that one is in primary 6, about to go into GS1. And one is still writing, and the father is either late or does not have money. And so the woman start checking, ha, Omo, this guy has responsibilities. <laughs> I'm not here to teach on marriage, but hear just one word. The grace is sufficient for you and him. Yes, grace is sufficient. People seem responsible to be running. Look, those children will finish school 15 years down the line. They finished too. Honestly, 15 years. What is wrong with struggling financially? No, when I say struggling now, being, having things. Oh, I just realized I'm on the on Monday. On Monday, I'll be married for 18 years. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank the, we thank God. I just have to say that it's not a long time. That's the emphasis. So for, 18, for 15 years, you're helping somebody, helping the other person. Of course, it's not, it's, not, it's not as bad as 15, actually. In most cases, it's not going to take you that long. What's the big deal? What's your life about? You know, to help other people. I'm talking about what? Grace being sufficient. You see better man won't marry you. You see better girl. Serious, God-loving woman like this. You fear say she be firstborn. Look, be careful. Let God not look at your case and just write it off. Just look, this guy, his head is not correct. And when the Lord says your head is not correct, I feel sorry for you. Every rational thing you do in life will be stupid. You will say 2 plus 2 for you to be 22. Every time you calculate 2 plus 2. Don't do things that the Lord will just decide that this guy, forget him. I'm serious. You see men, they will see serious woman like this. Serious girl. Loves the Lord. They don't, they, they've chased this girl for three months already. They, they, all, ah, they, don't, they pray, they thought they have her until she just says, ah! One day you just discover there are seven in the family and she's number one. And she's the one that just graduated. The guy will now say, the Holy Spirit began to minister to me. <laughs> all this nonsense Holy Spirit that ministered to people. The real Holy Spirit doesn't, it's not afraid of challenges. The real Holy Spirit can tackle challenges anytime. Terry Mize wanted to marry Jackie. I like to tell the story. And Jackie warned him that I can't have children. And he said, why? He said, because the doctor said so. The guy said, nonsense. Now, what did the doctors know? Took up the challenge. I said, we'll handle this matter with the word of God. She had children. She was tired of having. They wrote a book, Supernatural Childbirth. Many people see challenges and disappear. Small challenges, <laughs> they've run. Race. The guy told him straight, and the guy said, Okay, good. That makes it a challenge we have to face. Face the challenge with God's word. My grace is what? Sufficient. That's what he said. 
When I see the way children of God make decisions sometimes, it's just very, very annoying. Especially when it comes to geographical location. You see, ah, the one that gets me upset is when they tell me that power fails in Nigeria. And I keep on looking. I say, are you a manufacturer? What do you do with power? I, I don't know whether you get my point. What do you do with more than fan? What do you need it for? No, I'm curious about it. Your whole life, decision because of constant power. And you don't manufacture anything. You don't, hold, you don't have an industry. You don't make furniture. You don't do anything. You don't need anything that requires diesel. Nobody just to sleep. Do you need dresses for the clothes that don't need iron are the cheapest. 